Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, welcome back, Wellbeing Wednesday, and we are, um, it's kind of Wellbeing Wednesday. I also, when I tag this um, episodes, when they come out on Wednesday, do like Wednesday Wisdom, there's all these different hashtags, I probably not optimizing them the way I should or whatever um (laughs) it's just I don't know not how my brain works but um I love geeking out as you may know and disclaimer there is a bit of geeking out (laughs) in this episode kind of about therapy and psychology and uh, EMDR which is what we're talking about and Rachel our guest today will explain all of that but it's um stuff that I love to talk about so there is a bit geeking out but we do uh, I think rein it in um, a reasonable amount and geeking out also about creativity and music so <laughs> there's a fair amount of being uh, excitable geeks in this myself personally I won't um, label other people as that because uh, it's one of those terms isn't it I think I I guess I have often felt a bit weird um, a weirdo is another word that I feel like I've reclaimed um, a bit of a geek but actually those parts of myself I've worked on kind of accepting and being cool with um this is how I am so I call myself a geek and a weirdo um for me that's that's kind of how I see myself and I'm I'm fine with that but that they're loaded terms maybe for other people depending on your relationship with them it's one of the reasons that I look you know really like to check in on language because language is so powerful um and that kind of checking meaning like what are we talking about are we talking about these same things here um so anyway, I kind of got off on a tangent already. Um, before we dive into today's conversation, I really want to say thank you to Lynn, who joined us on Monday. Thank you for joining us and sharing your story. And today's episode with Rachel, I love this conversation. I loved really getting into uh, EMDR and the impact that can have for trauma. I love getting into creativity. And um, and actually, it's a really funny thing about how we label ourselves. See, there, there, there is a relevance to my waffling this morning. Um, it's not morning when I'm recording this and I don't know when you're going to listen to this. Anyway, um, that I don't necessarily um, identify myself as a creative, but actually, as you'll see in this conversation, when I'm sharing this, I'm like, oh, well, maybe I am. Um, so interesting, like little check in for yourself before we dive into this. Are you a creative? Is that a word you use for yourself? Or is it something you're like, oh, no, I, I like drew at school and I don't really do that anymore. It's not, that's not me. Um, I just think it's really interesting to, yeah, to, to think about how we talk about ourselves, how we describe ourselves are kind of, I guess I'm in a real, um, identity psychology kind of place at the moment. Anyway, I'm going to stop waffling now and pass over to this fab conversation with Rachel and I will be back super quickly at the end hope you enjoy this hi everyone and I'm really happy to welcome today's guest Rachel to the podcast so Rachel welcome and if you could tell us a little bit about you that would be fab Thank you so much, Hannah. I really appreciate being here. Um, Yeah, so I am a therapist, specifically an EMDR therapist. We can talk about that more later um, to explain that a little bit. And I have been in practice here in San Diego, California in the US. Um, I've been in practice since about 2014 when I was an intern getting my 3,000 hours of supervised experience that we have to have before we can sit for the licensing exam. Um, So I've had my own private practice here for about the past three years. I work primarily with creative people. So writers, artists, musicians, actors, um, dancers, all kinds of people like that, because that's also part of my background. So my undergraduate degree uh, is in creative writing, uh, specifically in poetry. Um, To be honest with you, I haven't done much well well I've done a little bit of poetry writing but in an unexpected way so after I graduated with my undergraduate degree 
I became a newspaper copy editor. And I did that for 14 years. And a lot of that involved headline writing, which is a lot like poetry, right? Finding the right word, looking at the line breaks, <laughs> and also uh, did some a bit of uh, page designing. So a little bit of uh, design work, although I definitely say my, my skill is more in the, the editing part. So spent 14 years as a newspaper copy editor, and then uh, went back to school, uh, got my, um, uh, technically my degree is, is called uh, marriage and family therapy, which is um, a little confusing. What it really means is that I look at systems of things. So I actually work mostly with individuals, uh, not necessarily with couples or families, mostly with individuals. And yet we're trained to look at the entire system of the family of, you know, um, whatever work system, whatever system the person is in. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell. I, I grew up in Idaho and uh, now live in San Diego. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm so, uh, so happy to have you here. There's so much already that I want to talk about. <laughs> so, um, I think in the, in the UK, the, um, the sort of area that you're in, we sort of call it like systemic and family therapy. So mm -hmm. yeah, a, a similar, uh, kind of idea. Mm -hmm. And I don't think right. I'm, I'm trying to think how many hours are kind of therapy training is. I don't think it's 3000. <laughs> that sounds like a lot, <laughs> a lot of hours. Yeah. I'm, I've been learning a little bit about how the system, and I don't know all the details of the system in the US and the UK for becoming a therapist is pretty different. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that it's not as stringent in the UK. I don't know if you know, but um, yeah. Um, I think it depends. I think um, mm. there's still, um, and because there's different types of therapy training. Okay. Um, and there are certain numbers of hours and supervision. So it is um sure very uh yeah prescriptive in in the way that you train and and all of that but I don't think it's 3,000 hours yeah um, well and then the weird thing about the U.S. being the U.S. it's 3,000 hours because I'm in California and and I think that's the same in New York and some other states every state of the 50 states is completely different with their requirements and actually I just recently got a um a temporary license up in uh, Montana because one of my clients moved. I'm seeing people virtually yeah. only now. And so one of my clients moved. So I have a temporary license to, to treat people in Montana right now. So it's, it's kind of wild. Yeah. So just to go off on a tangent, I said this would happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if you say you wanted to move to, to Montana or New York yeah. or, or somewhere, would you have to go through a completely new training and registration process? Or would you be able to kind of transfer across what you've already got how does that work because in, yeah. in the UK it's like I'm, I'm accredited for the UK that's it but we're quite right. small so you're good so <laughs> well yeah relatively <laughs> speaking yeah um, it, it is interesting so here's the interesting part about that if I am anywhere else I can see people online for example if that client if that person is in California so as long as the client is in California I can be anywhere if I want to see people who are in other places, I have to abide by whatever rules and laws and regulations they have there. So that's the way it works for, for us, which is kind of weird. Yeah, interesting. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, logistics yeah. details, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I find it interesting because that's the kind of sort of route that I'm on, I guess, uh, somewhere. Oh, great. <laughs> somewhere in the, in the process. Well, I mean, I sort of yeah. uh, become a psychologist or become a kind of psychotherapist type. This is a sort of transition okay. year where I've got like those options. I've applied for a load of things and I'm just going to see where, oh, where the chips fall and see. Sure, sure. See, see where I end up. Yeah. Um, but I would, yeah, absolutely love to dive into EMDR. It's something that yeah. I know a little bit about. Probably a lot of our listeners will be like, oh, what? <laughs> because it's <laughs> sure. something, and, and the US might be different. It's something in the UK that I think yeah. is starting to be recognized. It's something that the NHS, so our, our health service, does uh -huh. have. And there's a very clear route of being able to deliver uh, EMDR. Mm. But yeah, if you could tell us kind of what it is and just dive into that, that would be fun. You bet. Uh, the first thing would be that it what it stands for. And by the way, I think in therapy psychology, these are the worst names for <laughs> it's hard to remember. Don't make sense. Um, it stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing EMDR. And I do think in general, 
Uh, it seems to me that therapy is moving a little bit away from just like, let's say just the head part, right? Just the thoughts. That's more like uh, maybe like um, CBT, although there are different versions of CBT and I'm not totally familiar. It does seem like um, therapy in general is moving toward pay attention, paying attention to the body. And because a lot of our trauma, a lot of our emotions are kept in the body, which seems like such a strange experience. And yet when we test it out, you know, like, okay, where do you feel it in your body when, when you talk about this feeling and when you talk about this memory? Yeah, things come up. And, and I notice for certain people, it's like always the same place, right? It's either like my shoulders or my stomach or my throat. It's kind of interesting. So specifically back to, to EMDR, it does work with the thoughts, the feelings, and the body sensations. And the idea, by the way, I have to tell you that we don't know how it works. We just know that it does, which is, again, is true with many things in psych psychotherapy, interestingly. So the theory is that when we have a trauma happen to us, and it can be from what we call a big T trauma, like, you know, a car crash or some other natural disaster or somebody dying, you know, when a person's really young, things like that, or what we call little T traumas. So, you know, those are things that that may not seem like a big deal and yet they stick with trauma is that it's times so that in the present moment, it can feel like um, um, you can see, you can smell, you can hear almost the same things as when it happened. And so through EMDR, the idea is that maybe when we're doing uh, REM sleep, so our eyes are moving back and forth, um, that might be the brain putting memories into place, kind of like a file cabinet, you know, like, oh, what I have for lunch yesterday, eh, I could probably put that into long-term storage. It's okay, <laughs> you know, so it doesn't have to, we don't have to think about it anymore. Trauma interrupts that process. And so it's almost like these traumas are just kind of floating around causing, causing havoc in the mind and the body. Um, so through eye movements or any other type of what we call bilateral stimulation, which can be tapping, um, it can be sounds, whatever stimulates the left side of the brain, then the right side of the brain back and forth like this can help reprocess it so that we get to keep what's useful about the memory, for example, and we don't forget it. Um, we get to keep what's useful. You may even still have feelings about it, but you can digest or get rid of the stuff that is no longer useful in your life and is, is unneeded. So yeah, that's kind of the, the quick and dirty version of the process. Yeah. And, and I guess when you said that about when we haven't processed them, they're kind of floating around wreaking havoc, that yeah. this is a process of, right, right, catching it <laughs> and yeah. then filing it, like you're getting that filing <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Some of it might go in the long term. Uh, have you seen the film Inside Out, by the way? Um, yes, that's what it reminds me. I love that. I, lo yeah. I love it for so many reasons. I always yeah. talk about it, but um, I love that kind of idea of the memory and the, yes. the kind of the earworm. I was like, oh, let's just play this because who hasn't had that? And you're like, why is this in my head again? Why, um, yeah, why is this bothering yeah. me? Yeah. But I, I love that idea of those kind of core memories. And I think it's a really nice way of kind of visualizing how how it works. And I guess, yeah, for this is finding those and sort of storing them nicely. Mm -hmm. And is it, um, because obviously if we are processing trauma mm -hmm. um, and we're, we're dealing with difficult feelings, difficult thoughts, um, is it quite a, a stressful, difficult process for people mm -hmm. to go through? Because that is such a great question. I love that you asked that because I think that can be uh, a fear with any type of trauma therapy, you know, is this, yeah, I don't want to talk about this stuff, right? It's painful. It hurts. It, it feels horrible, blah, 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 blah. One of the cool parts about EMDR is that, for example, while we're, we're doing the eye movements, the reprocessing, um, we'll do a set. So maybe 20 to 30 eye movements back and forth. And then I'll ask the person, what are you noticing now? They don't really have to tell me anything. They, I never really even need to know the details of the trauma because it's not about me understanding. It's about their own brain doing the work of putting it in order, right? And, and filing it away like we're talking about. And so that's one of the really great things. And the other thing I have to say about that is that when doing this process, it's actually really important for the client to stay in what we call the window of tolerance. So that's when you kind of feel, you know, you're alert, but not too alert, you relax, but not sleepy, right? And so we want to keep you in that window of tolerance because that's where you can learn and change and do all those great things. If a client, if I notice, and, and we call it, you know, dissociation that you may be familiar with, if I notice a client is either getting 
a little too worked up or if I notice that they're checking out, I'll check in with them um, to be sure that they're still with me in the present moment. When we do EMDR, we talk about having one foot in the past and one foot in the present. It's not like hypnosis where you're not really present um, and it's not like talk, talk therapy where you're kind of always present. So one foot in the past, one foot in the present. So we really make sure to balance that uh, so it's not, so it is, let's be positive. So it is a good experience and healthy and helpful. Yeah, does that help answer your question? It, it does, absolutely. And I don't know if the, the US is the same, but I know in the UK, because I looked this up because I was interested in, Great. you know, what it takes if I wanted to train to do EMDR. Yeah. And in the UK, you have to already be, a psychotherapist or a psychologist you already have to have that training and accreditation and then you do this additional training so that you already have mm-hmm. that knowledge to be able to safely support someone to explore that trauma and I wonder if it's the same in the in the U.S. Yes exactly I'm so glad that you brought that up it is something that that should and is performed by a a licensed practitioner here. And the other thing to bring up real quick too, is that at the beginning we do what's the preparation for EMDR. And that involves uh, giving the client the um, tools such as, you know, outside of the session to think of a safe place. They start to feel overwhelmed. I like, I like this one too, the container. This one's really fun. Like I will share with you that my <clears throat> mental, my mental container is a, um, do you know what a pneumatic tube is? Does that ring any bells? I think so. maybe. That's <laughs> yeah. okay. At least, at least here. Um, I don't know if they have them so much anymore, but the, but the place we would see them the most is at the bank because we have like, you know, drive up uh, uh, in your car bank situations. And so you put your money or your check in a, in a tube and this uh, vacuum sucks it up. I, I, I know <laughs> what they are from, I think the post office, uh-huh. the post office has them. Yeah. I don't, we, there you a, go. a drive up bank. I have never heard of that. So <laughs> we don't have those, <laughs> but we yeah. do. Yeah. Post office. Um, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know, car culture. We got <laughs> we got a lot of those drive up stuff. Yeah. So like my my container is a pneumatic tube. So if I have something that's bothering me, I stick it in this tube in my mind and I it goes flying away <laughs> into some undisclosed location. But I can still bring it back if I need to, right? You know, if I need to look at it again. But for now, it's because I need to do other stuff. I need to focus on other things, put it in my container, let it stay there, and then focus on what I need to do. So those are the types of preparation things we also do uh, before starting with the reprocessing of the trauma with EMDR to make sure everybody's um, doing it in a safe and good way. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And and I think that's a you know a good reminder for, for some of these um, therapies and things that, to like you said, to find a licensed practitioner because it's, it's about that safety. They, they know. And I think when you're exploring trauma or anything with the unconscious, it's, if you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> you could cause more damage and, um, and possibly make things worse. So I think that's a really important reminder that, that I'll often ask guests, you know, what's something we could try at home to, to kind of try out for ourselves. And that maybe right. there is something that, that people could apply for themselves, but it might be that actually, if you're interested in this, it's, you know, talk to your healthcare provider, you know, and go that route. Yes, I, I think for sure. And I just, I just want to uh, mention something that you can do at home. And I can send yeah, you a well, link to this uh, if you want to put it in the notes. It's a, it's a um, procedure called a, a butterfly hug. And you, since we can see each other now, I can show it to you. But it'll be, it'll be in the notes where you just kind of tap underneath your collarbones back and forth. And there's a, there's a really great video. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, exactly. The butterfly hug. Yeah. And there's a little, little pressure point underneath the collarbones. And there's a great video I have of a um, therapist who does this for frontline workers. So, you know, people in hospitals or war zones, things like that. I think it's valuable for anybody. And he has a little procedure and he tells you at the end, you know, um, if you notice your distress going down, that's great. If you notice it going up, yeah, maybe it's time to go talk to a practitioner. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll send that your way. It's a nice one. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I, I tried it. Uh, I had to think about how my fingers were <laughs> going to do it. Um, but it's nice. And yeah, I mean, I could geek out talking about EMDR and <laughs> therapy all day and I, um, but we will move on. But <laughs> one of the things that I've, I've heard is that it can be particularly good for PTSD, which is something that maybe can be more difficult um, for kind of traditional like talking therapies to support mm-hmm. people with. 
Yeah, I, yeah, that's definitely true and has been proven in in the studies. And I, I think it's because like traditional talk therapy, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it. It's it's great. And oftentimes with clients, you know, we'll do a session or two of re- just regular talk therapy if there's a crisis or something like that, or just something they want to talk out. It it only deals with like the front part of the brain though, the 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 logical part, the language part, and kind of as I was mentioning before, there are other areas of the brain and body that are involved in in trauma that are involved in good health and so it's also i think it's also important to address those as well that's my opinion about it yeah yeah awesome and so you work predominantly with creatives so how um and and obviously you sort of said um about your your background with that and is there i guess this is getting into like i don't know identity psychology or personality psychology like is there Mm. a, a different way maybe that creatives kind of I don't know, function for one of <laughs> for one of a better word, mm-hmm. or is there a particular reason apart from obviously your background that's kind of drawn yeah. you to working with this group? I I, I, t- I tend to talk about the experience I had once with a therapist who's a perfectly fine EMDR therapist. Uh, you know, we had a good relationship; it was fine. And I was trying to express to her because I also um, uh, play a few musical instruments and I sing, and these things are really important to me. Um, you know, vitally important to my well being. I think that's one difference with creative people, perhaps, is that, you know, creativity is really key to us living a healthy life. And I was explaining to her how I went to a friend's house who had an electric piano and how I sat down and I started playing it. And it felt so magical to me because um, it felt like a real piano. Not because I live in Southern California and a lot of our spaces here are small, you know, <laughs> um, and we don't have room necessarily to like have a big piano in my house or whatever. And piano means so much to me. And it's really one of the things, you know, you talk about what things you can do at home to help yourself one of the things for me that calms me down immediately. So I'm telling this to my therapist and she, her, her response was kind of like, Oh, is that like, is that a big deal? Or does that, I don't understand, you know? And, and again, there was nothing wrong with her. I just realized in that moment, like, wow, how cool it would be to have a, a therapist who truly understood for certain people, the importance of art, the importance of culture, the importance of creativity, mm-hmm to their lives just automatically. And that's what I experience mm. with my with my clients. And I think it's nice. I mean, if anything, it saves time. Yeah, I think it's that um, that shared experience, isn't it? That being able to kind of go, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I get it. You don't need to <laughs> explain it. it. Yeah, and I think yeah. mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that someone can't empathize and, and try and understand, but it's that automatic, like, yep, yeah. <laughs> on the same page. <laughs> I've got, you probably can't yeah. see, I've got like an electric keyboard here. Oh, uh, although it's, um, it's a annoying one because it he has to connect to the computer to make sound when I, I got see, it yeah. so that's a pain when you want yeah. to play but actually one yeah. of um we've got um the national trust is a charity in the uk and they manage all these old old buildings and grounds and my one of my favorites which is near me before when we could visit and go in the house we can yeah. visit the grounds they have this amazing piano and you can play it and it's just I was like I'm just gonna come you can all see the already time. I'm like oh I'm just gonna come all the yeah. time and bring my music yeah <laughs> and play this. oh yeah there's only like one song I can play from memory which is me too which is funnily memory from cat <laughs> so I'm just there like and it's appropriate only really the first bit of it and then I'm like oh I forgot <laughs> but I'm just there playing memory <laughs> it's, it's, I love it it's the best right yeah it's the best. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And so that's, that's the thing. I mean, it really is kind of simple. Like I do, you know, I don't know, I, I, I've kind of been thinking about and working on like, how are creative people different? It's kind of like when you're a fish in, in water, right? You don't really understand. Like, I, I don't know, like, cause that's just how I am. And I don't really know how to be any other way. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I do think it is that, yeah, that shared experience, that kind of automatic bond, I think that most creative people have when we encounter each other. And that's really helpful for rapport and therapy yeah yeah and and I guess if we're seeking out a therapist there can be that and and I think some people really want to see all the accreditations I'm one of those people I like to see all of that some people not so much they just it's about the relationship I think we we often maybe seek out people who are like us like we want to know that they're going to get us and actually if we have can can see um, and feel that that kind of shared experience I think it helps us feel like actually I trust them to, to kind of help me through this process. 
yeah, the, the therapist client relationship has been shown to be, you know, if not the number one, like definitely the number one uh, indicator for, for good outcomes in therapy. So yeah, I do think it's, it's, it's really important, however it's developed, you know, in whatever way. Yeah. I wonder if we could talk about creativity kind of more widely and sure. uh, the, the impact that that can have on us, because there might be people listening who are like, yeah, I'm a creative. I kind of identify as that. And people who are like, what? <laughs> like, I, I, like, yeah. I painted at school, but I had to, had to study poetry at school, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. who, don't, who don't identify as that. But how can creativity be beneficial to, to all of us? That's a great question. Yeah. How can it be? How can creativity be beneficial to all of us? I think that, you know, and again, like you're saying, for some people more than others, perhaps um, self-expression, I think, is a really important uh, part of life. Right. I mean, when I think about it, like, gosh, you know, for me, I mean, what else is there? You know, and I and I think another thing, too, that I find interesting about creativity is that it can actually lead to a a type of mindfulness which can be beneficial to mental health right mindfulness in general we know is is beneficial Um, i'm not as much an expert on that although i do utilize parts of it when i'm even listening to a piece of music let alone you know singing or playing i mean that's a whole nother level of being in the moment right when i'm listening to a piece of music it's like everything else falls away and to me my experience is that this is the only thing the only thing that matters in the world is just the only thing in the world for this moment. And to be like completely immersed in that experience of, you know, viewing art or singing or, or listening to music or, you know, I think to me it makes life worth living. So not everybody may feel that way necessarily. And yet, um, you know, I think it's really important. It reminds me too, that now, you know, as we're recording this still in the middle of pandemic, we'll see how long that lasts. Um, <laughs> And it's been interesting to see what's been happening in the art world and how, you know, for example, actors who act um, in the theater haven't been able necessarily to perform, certainly not in the same way they did before. Um, And perhaps people are seeing, perhaps people are missing those things in their life, right? Yeah, I think that's so interesting because it's something, so my background, I'm a teacher, And I've always tended to work with young people who have additional learning needs, if you like. And and always what happens is, oh, they need extra English or math support. So what subjects are we going to take them out of? It's going to be the arts or the humanities, usually. And when there isn't much funding, what kind of gets cut? It's the arts. And obviously, at the moment, the artistic industries, creative industries are maybe being hit really hard because they can't trade in the way they normally would but what are we all doing at home what are we consuming what is it that's getting us through it's like Mm -hmm. the uk uh, national theater was was showing free recordings of what they do yeah i watched several yeah Yeah. like so much on netflix music books and you know what is it we go to for that boost but we don't seem to value them in the in the other way it's such a contradiction i think Exactly. You make an excellent point. It's like, yes, please entertain us, but we're not going to necessarily pay you for it or think that it's really valuable in a monetary way. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes, and again, this could just be me. Uh, and I, I, it's interesting because I sometimes would maybe call myself a creative, but I tend to sort of put myself more in the kind of sciencey logic Although that's a fun thing because sometimes like psychology is, like, is it a science? Is it an art? Is it like something? Blend right. <laughs> yeah. back and forth um yeah but you know if you think of the things where we find beauty and that kind of magic like often mm-hmm. it's in that piece of music or the painting or even just like a you know a landscape it is in those more creative things that can really move us so I think there's something mm-hmm. yeah really special and it is such a shame that we are yeah undervaluing them so much maybe and who knows yeah. I love that you use I love you use the word yeah. magic. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> well, what it is. is. <laughs> Who doesn't want a little magic in their lives? I think I think it is because sometimes, you know, you listen to a piece of music and sometimes, you know, the way it can conjure up these powerful emotions just in the way it all kind of comes together. And it is a type of, of magic mm. that 
um, is. you know you can listen to it and it's like this is like sad music angry music or right and it's just it's a load of sounds how does it do that <laughs> I know uh, uh, we, <laughs> it's just rhythm and yeah, sound we, we could all listen to it and go well that's a sad piece or it's yeah right it's um oh yeah music <laughs> yeah yeah it's magic yeah. it's magic it's magic, it is. It's, it's magic. <laughs> uh, but before um before we move on to my set questions I wonder if you have any final thoughts on magic on anything <laughs> 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 anything we talked about or just general final thoughts on their life and <laughs> gosh yeah well um let me think about that for a moment um yeah, I don't know. Just to say, like, I really appreciate this conversation and, and it helps me feel like hopeful and, um, you know, especially with everything that the world is dealing with, has been dealing with, you know, there are these places we can go that do transcend, even if just for a moment, you know, um, we can kind of go beyond the day-to-day beyond the stress beyond the uh worry um beyond despair i think and i i really really think that the arts and creativity can be extremely healing everybody's different with how they use it you know uh, what they do and i think there's a ton of potential there and it shouldn't be disregarded kind of like you were saying with you know their arts usually the first thing to get cut in the education curriculum same same here um and I think that's a shame because I was just thinking for me personally, I, when I was, you know, the, the, <laughs> the reason I know anything about history is because of my art history class and my music, my music history class, right? Yeah, <laughs> for example. And music is so much like math too, just have to say, yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, well, math is another one that sometimes like it's the science or is it an art? It's like, you know, the art right? math is. Um, but I think with, with, you know, all, I guess all of the creative pursuits, I think there's so much we can learn from children because so many children are just, mm. they're doing it. They're, they're painting, they're drawing that. I used to put on plays with my sister and play music and and <laughs> we have piano lessons and we'd go and like one of us had a lesson and then the other would be like, listen to my composition. It wasn't, it was just completely made up. But we like, look. <laughs> <laughs> and such, you know, alive. And then yeah alive uh, yeah and then at school um I did art rather than music because music was something I loved and I didn't want it to become like a chore then for yep. some reason uh like the final years of of school um for college I was like I'm gonna do music <laughs> and <laughs> I couldn't I was so anxious about performing and it was such a fear of like doing it well actually my my subjects were quite creative because I did photography as well so it's quite creative cool. um but it was such that that fear of I have to do it a certain way and I I think children are less self-conscious and I think for a, a lot of us we maybe let that fear of doing it right and doing it well get in the way of just expressing ourselves yes and to bring it full circle that's where something like EMDR therapy can help because those are those are creative wounds. What you're describing about that fear, you know, am I gonna do it right? Like that's creative trauma. And I think that, you know, again, even if people think like, oh, it's just frivolous, oh, it's no big deal, oh, that happened, you know, it's kind of a way of of dealing with it and protecting ourselves from experiencing the hurt that it actually was. Creative traumas are just the same as any other type of trauma and that's and and they deserve to I think be looked at and healed if that's what people want yeah yeah absolutely yeah I was just thinking I I also did dance so maybe I was like a proper little creative (laughs) I think you are a creative person (laughs) I always always put myself in the logic side but actually it's like no I've quite a lot of creatives you sound really well balanced yeah that's great yeah there you go awesome I mean I could keep talking about this all day but uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on my on my set questions I ask everyone Mm -hmm. and so the first is what brings you joy in your life well it should be pretty obvious by now I suppose um (laughs) I definitely feel joy um listening to music you know live music in particular it's been sad I I was so proud of myself that that I I was finally able to buy a a subscription to the symphony here in San Diego last year. And I did get to go to several performances before it was closed down, you know, um, and 
that's been rough. So now it's just, you know, whatever I can get my hands on, <laughs> um, uh, that brings me a lot of joy. And also just, you know, interacting with people, especially one-on-one kind of like we're doing now, like that's like, and doing therapy one-on-one, that's like my sweet spot. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. And then my next question, uh, sometimes similar, sometimes not, uh, is uh, mm-hmm. what makes your life meaningful? Yeah, definitely similar. <laughs> um, yeah, art, music, writing, beauty, creativity. Um, that's the number one thing that brings me into my life as well. Again, same, you know, as connection with others too. Yeah. Awesome. I've, I always find it interesting because sometimes it's very different. Sometimes people answer mm-hmm. in the, the kind of opposite way to other people. It, yes. So yeah. so interesting how, yeah, we are so individual, but so similar at the same time. It's one of my favorite things about psychology. Mm-hmm, sure. kind of weird. Anyway. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know. Again, another thing yeah. we can talk about forever. Yeah. <laughs> not to like geek out on psychology too much. People are like, come on. Keep going. <laughs> um, so my next two questions are around our kind of overarching topic on the podcast, which is about mm-hmm. mental wellness. And so the first question is, what does mental wellness mean to you? Yeah, I, I received this question, you know, before and I, and I thought about it and it's, it's, it is a really broad question. And I came down to something that I do share with my clients every now and then, which is, for me, it's all about choice. And, and maybe that choice comes with the word freedom too. Just like the having the decision to behave a certain way. I, I don't see mental health as like, oh, behaving this way or that way, because behaviors can have all sorts of different intentions and meanings. And I, I don't know, that's not as important to me. What is important to me is being conscious of, the, of what I'm doing. That I think is a real key to mental health. Cause you know what, sometimes I will act, uh, I will respond in a, in, a, in a trauma response type of way, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. That's another thing we could talk about. F-A-W-N, fawn is a trauma response, but that's for another time, I suppose. <laughs> um, I might be fully aware that I'm having a trauma response and I might choose to have that trauma response, right? That may be the most appropriate thing to do in the moment. It may be extremely appropriate for me to get the heck out of there, right? If I'm in a, <laughs> I'm in a traumatic situation for example. So to me, just to put it again in a nutshell, it's all about realizing that I have choices in life. That I think is a key to mental health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then my follow-up is always what you do for yourself to, to maintain your mental well-being. So how you kind of make those choices or stay, you know, stay on top of, of that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about this one as much. So <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind, the first thing that popped in my head was boundaries. And there's this phrase I learned uh, when I was training to be a therapist from one of my supervisors. And I love this phrase. And it is, I have boundaries so I can love you without resentment. Oh, I love it. Yes. I have boundaries so I can love you without resentment. Again, maybe this comes down to choices too, again, right? Like how am I choosing to interact in this particular situation with this particular person? It's important to be aware of when I'm pushing myself too far. So it's really about balance and boundaries. And specifically, I don't know, things like today, like I mentioned with music. So like today, I don't know, do you know the singer um, Rufus Wainwright? Are you familiar with him? Yeah, cool. Probably more uh, popular in London or in, excuse me, not London, probably more popular in England than even uh, in the US. so he's been doing this series during uh, the pandemic where he just started last last week doing this series of concerts, live concerts, at, like for my time, at, like 2 p.m. Uh, on a Friday. So like yesterday or last week was the first one. And I sat in my, I stood because I was dancing in my living room <laughs> and singing along to my favorite songs from Rufus Rainwright, like, right, things like that, that made me feel like a childish in the best way, childlike experiences. Those are some of the things that I get in touch with my inner child and ask what it wants to do. And it will let me know one way or the other if I've made the right choice. Because <laughs> if I haven't made the right choice, I will throw a tantrum and say, what are you doing? Let's go get ice cream. That's what I really want to do. Yeah, I'm sure inner child stuff is something we could also talk about <laughs> for oh, <sure>. ages. <laughs> and I think sometimes we have that, I'm a grown up now, uh, so I'm not going to do the childish stuff. I'm going to do the grown up stuff, and I'm definitely guilty of doing this. I mean, like, and actually, sometimes, like you said, tuning into that inner child yes. and 
I had a little kitchen dance party yesterday. I put on just a song, had a dance around because it's something I know gives me a boost. I was feeling a bit drained. I was like, I'm going to have a kitchen dance party. Uh, Often my dog thinks it's a game. He tries to join in. (laughs) He's also dancing, yes. Yeah, he's he's trying. (laughs) But it's... um, it's a couple of minutes and it's just that fun and it is it feels freeing doesn't it sometimes just to tune into that and just yeah yeah. play is important joy is important I mean and you know as far as meaning goes really helps make life worth living I think yeah yeah well they're all my buzzwords and values which is why they're they're what I ask people about (laughs) because you know they're things that are important to me and I'm nosy quite frankly and (laughs) me too hey I was a journalist and now I'm a therapist like yes (laughs) nosy yeah 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 so that's way now people are fascinating people are great they are they are I miss people watching you know just being able to kind of right yeah you know so interesting. I have a I have a balcony so I can kind of watch people walk back and forth that's fun (laughs) yeah so interesting. So my next question is another thing um, I like to talk about quite a lot uh, is mindset. And so I always ask guests that come on to try and I say try because sometimes it's a challenge <laughs> to describe their own mindset. So do you want to have a go at describing yours? You bet. Again, slapped on this homework. Um, <laughs> mindset. It's interesting. You know, the first thing that pops in my mind is like being optimistic, but there's something uh, there's something that's not quite complete about that the next thing I think of is like I think that my superpower is to help inspire people I'm not the type of quote-unquote leader that goes out and necessarily does the thing you know like I'm not out there at the front of the line leading everybody in that way it's more about inspiring other people to follow their dreams and be their best so my mindset is you know (laughs) I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that comes in with this. I won't even <laughs> go off on those tangents. Let's just to say this. My mindset is really a supportive one, you know, is really a let me help you go from being good at this to being great at it, right? So you can benefit from it. So the world can benefit from what you have to offer. So yeah, I guess I guess the mindset of support. I've never really thought about it like that. So I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's a, a fun question. And then I uh, I love the the way that you said that because I think sometimes we can have that idea of that we have to be out being the leader yeah, and doing definitely. all that and that is what it looks like to be successful or to have right. purpose or whatever and actually finding your own superpower whatever that looks like I think mm-hmm. is yeah is really amazing it doesn't have to be the big fancy one or whatever it can be yeah no yeah, yeah. it doesn't have to be in the spotlight yeah and 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 we need people who are you know, support staff, if you will, you know, who are, yeah, who are, you know, that nobody ever does anything completely alone. So mm. yeah, I think it's yeah. important. And yeah. I appreciate the ones that have been that for me too, in my life. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is my, probably my favorite question to ask, because as I said, I'm nosy. <laughs> so I like to ask everyone that comes on to leave us with between one and three top tips of things that they would recommend that we try in our lives that are going to have an impact and we very much have a um it's a not a one-size-fits-all it's very much try these out for yourself and see what Mm -hmm. works but do you have a top one to three things you'd recommend for us sure the first thing that comes to mind um, is kind of what we were talking about earlier with the inner child stuff uh there's this book called the artist way by julia cameron are you familiar with that uh yes but i've not read it (laughs) it's like on my list of like i've heard of it and uh yeah but i haven't started yet so many people I know have it on their shelf and it's been on their shelf for years. I actually, um, I haven't done it recently. I need to find a way to do it online. I'm working on that. I've led groups um, uh, in the book, The Artist's Way. So that may be coming online soon. Uh, we could do a, a group based on that book. She talks about uh, artist dates, which again was kind of what I was talking about with the inner child. And um, I would recommend that everybody get in touch with that part of you that feels really silly and goofy and listen to it and go do whatever it wants, you know, within reason. Um, <laughs> don't hurt anybody. <laughs> but I have, I have a little story about that, that I tell like one time I was like, I'm going to go on an artist date. And so I'm going to go to this museum of photographic art, which is this wonderful museum in Balboa park, which is here in San Diego, this great big park with these cool museums and stuff and everything's great there. It's beautiful. So I go in this museum and immediately I hear my inner child voice go, this is so dumb. Why are we here? I am so bored. 
get out of here. (laughs) So I had to have a little inner conversation to be like, I hear you. That's great. How about after this, we go get ice cream. My inner child was like, that sounds amazing. So I went and got ice cream and sat outside and listened to one of the the street musicians uh, out there playing. and, And it was wonderful. So Uh, In whatever way you can, I would say, um, listen to that part of you that really does understand joy, that really does want to have fun and try not to judge it too much because that's a part of you that's really great to develop um, and to become kind of like a whole well-rounded person. So yeah, I'd say probably for now, just, just the one, you could take yourself on an artist date. Yeah. I love that. Artist date. Is that if artist is something you're like well, I'm not an artist just it's like a date with yourself isn't right. it just what whatever yes. that looks like and yes obviously at the moment there may be some limitations to to what that uh, sure. can look like but um yeah yeah for I sure. absolutely love that idea and then my my very last question for you is where people can connect with you if they are interested in finding out more about you working with you where where are you online where can we find you Sure. Um, the best place to find info on me, connect with me, is at my website, which is rachelmorecounseling.com. That's all kind of standard spelling. Um, and yeah, you can schedule a time to do a phone chat with me, um, you know, um, or just send me a question, send me an email. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to connect with people and help them out. Yeah. And are you working with people remotely at the moment phone zoom how is it i kind of work yeah i am doing uh therapy with people who are from california or montana um (laughs) uh, (laughs) i'm doing therapy remotely uh video therapy um and also you know even if um people from from elsewhere in the uk or you know i've talked to people from all over the world actually australia you know different places to try to Mm -hmm. kind of get them connected with resources where they live um, and people who might be helpful. So I'm always open to um, either, you know, sending me resources so I can distribute them or people asking for those types of things and see what I can do to help. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I'll absolutely link in the show notes so people can find you Great. easily from there. Rachel, thank you so much. I've absolutely loved our conversation. We could have definitely gone off um, it's something I always say to guests at the beginning that it will go wherever it goes and it, it absolutely yes. has but it's been amazing so thank you thank you Hannah I really enjoyed it too so thanks again to Rachel and I definitely did lean into my creativity after this conversation I've been really getting into poor art and all that kind of stuff and not done it for a little while we um we don't really have space for much creative stuff at home um when it was was warmer weather um I could do some in the garden and then it's been kind of winter and and whatever but I have got some new paints I have got a canvas and that is on my to-do list and um maybe this week now that we're getting better weather I might be able to produce a little bit of artwork and I don't really know what I'm doing I'm just making it up I'm just playing to be honest I'm uh engaging my inner child and just playing and it is a lot of fun it's messy it's fun um and it's great and I'm creating this wall of poor arts um which is good fun so um I'm also I'm kind of looking over my shoulder at the moment to where I do have a whole um drawer one of those big it's a Ikea uh one of those square bookcase things a whole drawer on one of those full of art supply um so yeah I guess (laughs) I am a creative although I don't necessarily take the time or make the time or allow the time to really um explore that area of myself or let it out or um and so I guess that is my my big takeaway is that actually there are lots of creative things that I enjoy um And you can be creative in all kinds of different ways. It can be in the way that you approach things, the way that you think about things. But actually, there are lots of the kind of traditional, uh, if you like, creative approaches I really enjoy. (laughs) And so for me, that's my takeaway that I'm going to allow myself the permission to to just play and to enjoy that this week. Um, I've got a fairly busy week, uh, particularly at the beginning. And so maybe towards the end, that is going to be my letting loose a little bit and um, being playful and letting out my inner child as always I would love to know what your takeaways were from this so please do tag us in your stories on Instagram um, and let us know and I realize I did not tell you 
last week on Monday where we are on Instagram. So uh, for regular listeners, maybe you know, for new listeners, sorry about that. Uh, we are at Psyche Coaching, P-S-Y-K-H-E Coaching. Uh, so head on over there, tag us. We love to hear what you think of the show, what you've taken away from it. Um, also, in exciting news, I don't know if you've ever been on Listen Notes. Uh, we've got a page on there um, with a podcast where you can find all of the show notes with the links because for some reason on Spotify, Apple, the hyperlinks to actually connect with people don't work so well. Um, but Listen Notes and our website, you you can find those show notes in a fully... Um, formatted accessible way but according to them we're in the global top 10 percent of podcasts uh which i don't know where (laughs) how they figure that out i don't know their algorithm Uh, i'm not sure if it's entirely true but it is very exciting nonetheless to to even think that we might be in the top 10 percent of podcasts so uh, i want to say a massive massive thank you uh, to you if you're listening if you've got this far whether you are a first-time listener whether you're a regular listener I really appreciate you for being here and um, for showing your support to the podcast. Um, yeah, it, it, it really does mean a lot. I mean, I, I love the show and I probably would just keep doing it even if no one listened, but it is great. <laughs> Some people are um, and are enjoying it. And I, as I said, love to hear your feedback and uh, what you think of the show. And also, if you do enjoy the show, if you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, that really does help us to reach more people. So if you could do that, I would really appreciate it. And then I guess my my final, final thing is that um, I do have some coaching spaces available. So if you are interested in working with someone on well-being and promoting that or you're looking to make some changes in your life I do transformational life coaching and well-being coaching youth coaching so pretty much anyone 11 up I'll (laughs) work with um I say that pretty much anyone actually it's really important to have the right match if you like with uh with a coach and actually with any professional you're working with coach therapist whoever it has to kind of feel that it is someone that you feel safe, that you feel able to talk to and to really explore because otherwise um, you're not going to get the most from that experience. So although I say anyone, <laughs> actually, it's really important to to just check that actually is the appropriate kind of dynamic uh, for you at this time in your life. But um, I do have some coaching uh, spaces available at the moment. So if you are interested in working with me and having an initial kind of free discovery call, um to to just kind of explore what that might look like then head over to my website www.psykehe.co.uk um you can drop me a message and we can sort something out um that's everything uh so please do have a good rest of your week we'll be back on monday with another fab conversation hope you have a good week take care of yourself be kind to yourself and i'll speak to you soon Bye for now.